You know, people could be screaming outside my door. <laughs> what are you doing in there? <laughs> All right, counting down from five, four, three. Welcome back, Cryptomats, to the next episode of Cryptocurrency Chat. This is episode number, as we've made earlier, a note of 435. Oh, rat. 435, that is what? Thirds? Two-fifths, slightly more than two-fifths of a thousand on our way to a thousand. Thousand, yeah. thousand, thousand. Anyways, my name is Jake Deberly, and my co-host here is John. Hey, hey. Blockchain John. And so, uh, what's going on, John? Uh, good, man. Just, uh, just, just taking it easy and just happy to be on the podcast once again because I love doing this. I probably don't sound as energetic as usual, but yeah, just uh, I enjoy doing this, man. Yeah, it's the fun part of the end of the day. Yep. You get to do the thing you've been looking forward to all day. Say, but <laughs> not always. Right. Anyways, I enjoy it myself. Uh, as you guys probably see here on the uh, screen, we've got the t-shirt shop up with the black diamond hands and the white diamond hands shirts, plus the stack stats and huddle on the back of stats. Oh, actually, that is the back. So that the reminds back me. i gotta, the, I got to buy one of these. Back of the diamond hands shirt says diamond hands never sell, and we will be putting up more shirts in the near future. Thank you for your support for those who are buying shirts. Just to get started out before we get to the news, we always do a couple of things. We do the uh, job of the day, and this particular one is a senior account manager with a company called Mythical Games. It is a remote job in the United States, which means if you live anywhere in the continental and probably U.S., Hawaii, and Canada states, you can work for this company. We, this is them, are Mythical Games, a venture-backed next-generation game technology company at the intersection of video games and economics led by industry veterans. Our goal is to lead the industry with the launch of exceptional video game experiences that leverage distributed ledger technology, while also providing a platform of robust tools that will allow any other game developers to do the same. So kind of like trying to make an engine, right, on, on blockchain. What requirements are there of a senior account manager? Three plus years of business development are similar in the games industry, uh, gaming industry, or entertainment industry, basic understanding of blockchain technologies and how they can be applied to games, ability to align a diverse group of internal and external customers, yada, yada, yada. There's a whole lot of things. If you're an account manager, you probably might be interested in this job. I'm sorry I don't have any information as to how much money they're willing to pay you, but I'm sure it's based on experience, as they often say with these jobs. So, senior account manager, mystical games, remote, anywhere in the United States. And the quote of the day from one of John's favorite um, finance guys, Andreas M. Antonopoulos. He says, this isn't about nation states anymore. This isn't about who adopts Bitcoin first or who adopts cryptocurrencies first, but rather because the internet is adopting cryptocurrencies and the internet is the world's largest economy. It's, it is the first transnational economy and it needs a transnational currency. That's for the Internet of Money, Andreas Antonopoulos. Beautiful. Let's get over to the news. All right. Oh, you got to do the uh, the Quintry. Oh, sorry. I should plug that. I usually plug it at the end, too. But, yes, you guys would be, like, willing to support us, not just by buying a T-shirt. Buying a T-shirt is a way to remember us. But if you want to support us, you can always give us certain coins, Bitcoin, Ethereum, BNB, Rave, USDC, or GUSD. Those are stable coins we support. Uh, as well as die, uh, but you, I also appreciate if you guys check us out on 
you know, coming and joining our Discord. Watch if you're not already watching us on YouTube, and a lot of our people do. A lot of people also listen to us on on Anchor and uh, Spotify, which we also. You can see us on Twitter, Twitch, and our favorite Odyssey because it's blockchain based. So, let's get on to the blockchain news. All <laughs> right. Uh, so, first news of the day. Let me exit this out. First news of the day is from Decrypt.co, written by Ryan Ozawa. Bitboy versus Atozi. YouTuber A to Z. It's A to Z. A to Z. YouTuber drops publicly filed lawsuit because it went public. YouTuber, <laughs> YouTube crypto commentator Ben Armstrong, who brands himself as BitBoy Crypto, announced Wednesday that he was dropping his lawsuit against uh, Erl- Erling Men. How do you say it? Men- Mengshuel, 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 Mengshuel Jr., aka A to Z, because he never intended to make, never intended to be made public. "Quote: I guess I didn't understand that my name is now so big that if I file a lawsuit, it will be found and made public," he said in log to his regular daily live stream. Obviously, if I knew this would have been public, I wouldn't have done it. All federal lawsuits are a matter of public records, of course. Armstrong's suit was a federal case because it involves claims, uh, claimed impacts and losses in excess of $75,000, and because Armstrong and Menschwal lives in different states. Armstrong's legal counsel filed a complaint with jury demand on August 12th in the U.S. District Court of Northern District of Georgia in Atlanta. Quote, We're, we are going to drop the lawsuit 100%, Armstrong said. I'm sorry this became public. I'm sorry that this has been misconstrued. Well, that's, dude, he got caught for just being, okay, for, let's, let's just go back to the original lawsuit. Do you know, do you remember what it was, Jake? No, I don't, I don't explicitly. I mean, he just said he was, you know, so kind he was, of a. So he was trying to, he's suing uh, A to Z because of, of, of uh, pretty much with his name messing with with, with bitboy's brand right calling him a um a crypto uh, uh, uh you're saying it was a lawsuit it was a defamation lawsuit he was saying that he was uh shilling uh um uh shit, shit coins out there and if she takes some time and look back at, at bitboy's videos he was doing that that's a fact so for him to come out and be like oh, i'm suing you because you're saying these things about me it's like Oh, now when public's like, oh no no no, I, no no, I'm gonna just withdraw that. I'm not, I'm not that kind of snitch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I honestly okay. lost. So basically, more it was all, all bit boy. Yeah, no, I've already lost some respect for the guy, anyways. But yeah, Go on. this 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 is this is one of those those news articles that it just it it, it annoys me. So I, actually, let me read this part here. This was not about a slapstick lawsuit. He explained, likely referring to a uh, so-called slap lawsuit, which are intended to silence criticism. When someone implies you can be in trouble from the SEC, that is not frivolous. That's a very, very big, serious, serious matter. I do believe I'm probably the most misunderstood person in crypto, Armstrong noted. Sure, buddy. Sure. <laughs> misunderstood. Mm, you, he just want, now he people to feel sorry for him. Because I'm sure, I don't follow him on Twitter, but I'm sure he was smacked left and right from everybody, you know, calling him out on, on, on his uh, shilling of, of, of shit coins. You know? It's kind of ironic, I, I would say, in the sense of, of him, you know, pulling a lawsuit, realizing his, his fault. A person who is more of an ass would never have pulled the suit. So it does show he has some shame. Um, maybe Maybe there's hope for him yet. <laughs> But the fact that he literally did a slap lawsuit against A to Z 
um, so that he could get him to stop talking. Mm -hmm. Is like, dude, this is exactly why you don't do this. And so you're lucky you've got an opportunity to pull the lawsuit and no one still prosecuted you because A to Z still has every right to kick your, kick your teeth in. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. well, mm -hmm. well, legally. Well, let's so see what John McAfee like, says. Let's just move on. John McAfee is still alive. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, ex girlfriend claims in documentary. This article is written by Jason Nelson on Decrypt. The, Netflix, the new Netflix documentary, quote, Running with the Devil, the world, the wild world of John McAfee, end quote. Makers probe the crypto evangelist, he's not just a crypto guy, but chaotic life and mysterious death, including formal, former girl that he's still alive and living in Texas. I doubt that. Um, the documentary, which premieres August 24th, that would be today, if you haven't already seen it, directed by uh, BAFTA-winning director, Charlie Russell and uses a mixture of raw footage and interviews to examine McAfee's troubled life. Russell says he began conversations with McAfee about a potential documentary after the tech entrepreneur went on the run for tax evasion. Russell says he messaged McAfee and after providing his credentials, talking with him, was invited to join him and film. Running with the Devil is the finished result. When asked about Herrera's claims that McAfee called her after his death, Russell told Esquire he doesn't know what he thinks and doesn't think Herrera does either. She, she says it, and then she looks at the camera, and I can't work out whether she thinks it's real or not, he said. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, um, she probably just wants him to be alive. And I, am, really I am making this WTF face right now, like, really? Um, <laughs> hmm. Yeah, here's Janice McAfee. Oh, how I wish it, this were true. If John were alive, I'm pretty sure he would not be hiding out in Texas. He wouldn't want to be in the United States. He's wanted for tax fraud, tax mm -hmm. evasion. He's not going to come back. He didn't want to come back to Texas. Mm -hmm. yeah. There might be someone who looks like him. That's not that far-fetched. But uh, Yeah, the man can't come back to the United States. He has. To, that's the reason he was gone for so long. So I'm just the last I mean, little tidbit down here. June 21st, he died from apparent suicide while in custody in Spain. Like you know, um, Jeffrey Epstein accidentally died. Sort mm -hmm. of. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, actually, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't personally believe that McAfee might kill himself. He, he was already pretty crazy. He was already going, you know, insane. And I'm pretty sure he knew he did not want to live the rest of his days in a, in a jail cell. Or even like, um, you know, what's his name? Um, uh, this guy. Uh, um, uh, um. Uh, <laughs> you remember his name? Uh, anyways, it's right on the tip of my brain. But anyways, um, anyways, we know who he's talking. What we're talking about. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Nobody wants to live in a jail cell, even if it's a jail cell outside the United States. Nobody wants to go to trial in the United States. John McAfee knows what he did wrong. Julian Assange. You no. Know, John McAfee knows what he did wrong, and at that point, I think I think he was ready to end his days. Right. Right. It's right. pretty deep shit. So. Yeah, but you're talking about Julian Assange, Feel, right? Like, yeah, no. Julian Assange is a comparison because yeah, yeah. Julian Assange lived in, the, you know, he lived in that that um, little, uh, tiny little space in the in mm -hmm. the what was it, Argentinian um, annex there in England, um, for like seven years. That's not fun. No, that's not cool. It's not a life. He basically was in jail already. Yeah, He's just in yeah. jail in a different country. And yeah, that's I watched. Where, that's where John. Mc John McAfee was. Yeah, yeah. I watched a documentary on Assange, and at, at the end, when they're showing surveillance from inside of, of his little dwelling, dude, that guy was just miserable. Yeah. yeah. 
it's not it's no fun it's no fun at all when you've done this thing that this is the thing that sucks when that when you've got the united states government up your butt so it's um it's never fun i mean talk to the people who live in guantanamo bay, bay right assuming they're still alive <laughs> anyways let's let's not concentrate on this it sucks that he's dead and i don't believe he's still alive and let's just move on all right so next news once again from decrypt.co written by kate Irwin. Coinbase CEO says exchange is cutting costs, focusing on subscriptions. Bad, badly battered by the crypto bear market, Coinbase is cutting costs and shifting its revenue model, says CEO Brian Armstrong. In Q2 of this year, Coinbase saw a 60% drop in revenue and reported a $1.1 billion net loss. In an interview with CNBC published Tuesday, Armstrong reflected on the crypto exchange's decade-long history and plans for the future. One big takeaway, Armstrong wants to move away from the trading fees and its main source of revenue, explaining that while such fees bring in revenue during bull markets, the cash flow that cash flow dries up when the bearish sentiment takes hold. Quote, we're investing today so much in subscription and service revenue, Armstrong said uh, of his plans for the future. We're realizing that trading fees are still going to be a big part of our business 10 years from now, even 20 years from now. But I'd like to get a, get to a place where more than 50% of our revenue is subscription and services. He said that currently 18% of Coinbase's revenue comes from subscription services. What kind of subscriptions will Coinbase offer in the future? That's a number in the works, Armstrong said, hinting at this, subscription. Go ahead. This is the kind of thing I'll... We don't. We haven't talked about Robinhood in quite some time, but it's kind of where Robinhood was going. Robinhood's like, hey, um, I see that you guys are trading with crypto or you know stocks. Would you want to do you know um, margin trading? You know, just two x margin trading or maybe x or something. Hey, we got a service ten dollars a month, and you can get margin. They're doing. I think they're doing another service now. I don't remember how much money it is, but basically, quote pro services, which is exactly what Coinbase is going to here. Pro services, you know, other features that most people don't do, where you're not getting charged just for your trading fees, but they offer additional, like, hey, it's cheaper trading fees if you just pay us monthly, because they know you're not going to use it constantly. There's only going to be make maybe 10% of the people who are actually using the service to its fullest, like like you, John, right? You use your mobile data service really heavily. Yep. And you're one of the one percenters when it comes to mobile data, but 90% of the people using mobile data service do barely go over five gigs a month. 100 gigs for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you are the person that everyone else is effectively paying for when they're, they're charging them, you know, 40, hey, 50 hey, bucks a hey. month. <laughs> hey, I live in I'm community paying. in Roseville. I play how it feels. The reason they're doing this is that the NASDAQ. Okay, they do have a board. They do have investors. They do have a lot of money, right? Uh, let me see if I can find actually how much is in there. No, not. But right now, the the current the current uh, um, stock is worth seventy one dollars and forty eight cents. It's not. I mean, it's 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 up there. I mean, for, I think for the average per. Would you say that's that's good for the average person or bad? Coinbase is global. Uh, market capitalization is slightly over $16 billion. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Got some cash. They do have some <laughs> revenue. Yeah, it looks like they got $7.84 billion in revenue ready to use that up. 2021's entire annual revenue was 7, 7.8 or almost $8 billion. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. 
if they're up to 16 billion and it's only this far into the year, they're doing pretty well for themselves. Yeah, yeah. Even though and their it, stock has come down in price. But yeah, exactly. But even though it's coming down, they're going to rebalance with this whole uh, shift of change model with with subscriptions. They're going to they're going to come back up from that. So yeah, it is. And I think that's a good way to support yourself. And it's not dumb. It's it's been done by countless other companies. It's not new. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. they're going to survive, that's one way they can do it. Yeah. So, yep. They can stop disappointing SBF. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next on to the board apes. This is actually kind of neat. I, I was kind of pleasantly surprised by this M&M's release by Andrew, uh, written by Andrew Hayward on Decrypt. These board apes will melt in your mouth. That sounds disgusting. M&M releases NFT-inspired candy. Board Ape Yacht Club owners have used their permissive commercialization rights to turn their Ethereum NFT imagery into everything from apparels to toys, alcohol packaging, and restaurants. Now you can actually eat a few board apes via limited edition M&Ms. Like I said, this is like the twink coin thing we were talking about a few mm-hmm. weeks back. Mm-hmm. Candy bar brand Mars today announced that it has signed a deal with Universal Music Group What? <laughs> at 10.22 p.m. to create a limited edition M&M based on Kingship, its virtual band made up of Board Ape Yacht Club and Mutant Ape Yacht Club avatars. Mm. Zoomers' expectation for what they well, want for their con- favorite brands have shifted at, at Mars. We know we need to be more innovative than ever with such a culturally famous brand like M&M's, said Mars Weekly Global Vice President Jane Wong in release. Kingship was revealed last November as a metaverse brand, probably band, like a rock band, created from NFT owners by investor and entrepreneur Jimmy, or J1MMY, McNeilis. McNeilis? <laughs> the label at 10.22 p.m., that's not a time, but the, the, the name of the company, has created personalities around the Bored Ape illustrations and it's developing original music for group Followed the model set by a popular v- virtual band, Gorillas, which will perform concerts in Metaverse World. That's awesome, dude. So here's a, I like the gorillas. a video of it. Am I, gonna... I like the Gorillas too. It's a pretty cool concept for a band. And gonna... has also released its own NFT key cards that provide exclusive benefits. It's something that John and I have talked about before. And access to holders. NFT owners were given early access to purchase M&M's, the M&M's candy in particular. As part of the deal, ours has released limited quality uh, quantities of the branded M&M chocolate candies, which feature images of the board apes and kingship iconic iconography on them. All told, Mars will sell just 10,000 total packages of the candies between gift boxes and gift jars. Decrypt reach out to you. Reach out to UMG representatives for additional details on terms of the deal and how the partnership came together. But we did not hear back. And NFT is, oh, I might read it, we already know what, Board Ape Yacht Club, we know what they are. So, yeah, the, I think we just talk commentary right now um, on this play, nutty. Play that video, just, the, just, just, just mute, just mute the see. audio. That's really cool, man. And I'm actually going to play it again yeah, here. Playing it, I'm playing it right now. Uh, and that's, uh, <laughs> let's make it bigger so people can see it. <laughs> That's great. Uh, he's zapping it with his eyes, and it turns into a big-ass pile of M&Ms. <laughs> oh, God, that's disgusting. That's, mm-hmm. It's just, oh. Um, I still wonder, I mean, maybe they just thought they could make a boatload of money off this, but just don't see 
It's, I mean, the twin coins. Go ahead. Sorry, I don't understand. I, I, I mean, I understand why they're doing it just to get a little attention. That's it's, it's, it's like premium marketing, public marketing, right? But in regards to getting a return on their investment, I don't know. Other than marketing, I think that's the only thing, right? It just feel yeah. It does feel like a marketing ploy. It's like hey M and M's, and people are like hey M and M's. Yeah, and but, like... but the thing is, in regards to M and M's itself, they're not. I mean, M and M's is not making money from the public uh, off of this. Oh no, they no, made money no. from from uh, Kingship, and from what was it uh, 1022, or or was it you? Was it UMG? Yeah, well, you, yeah, yeah, UMG you, and M and M's are, are the you know the profiting partners that are bringing themselves into this, but it's. It's obviously just a big marketing ploy. Yeah. Like, hey, popular things, UMG, M&M's, Bordy, Yacht Club, everybody's in the mix, right? Hey, big stuff. So guess what? And so, yeah, it's a, it's a promotional deal. Now, now I'm going to be on the lookout for <laughs> Bored Ape M&M's. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if anyone put, puts them up on eBay to sell for like, you know, $100,000 or something. Yeah. Look, I got one of the bags. Yeah. I wonder how much those twin so coins are now, man. They're probably, they're probably no, kid, no kidding. I was, they, it's also a limited run there, too, and we all already know that the twin coin, well, Twinkies themselves last forever, so you oh, probably God, couldn't yeah. pass them off. So, All right. Yeah, we just I think uh, you and I looked them up on eBay. I think yeah. I found a box for like fifteen bucks or something. Yeah, I tried looking locally uh, at several several WalMarts around it because there was exclusively a Walmart deal. Um, so I went to a bunch of WalMarts and didn't find anything locally here. Unfortunately, there was a bunch of other like limited edition stuff. I'm like, I don't want this. I don't care if this is limited edition. I want Twink coins. That's what I want. Yeah, I want Twink coins too, but whatever. All right. Um, all right. We got a news article from Crypto Potato, written by Jordan Lyonchev. Celsius responds to KeyFi lawsuit with one of its own. Earlier this summer, KeyFi, a staking software firm and former partner of the platform, sued Celsius for mismanagement of customer deposits, fraud, and failure to honor an agreement between the two parties. To date, this case has not yet been resolved by the court. However, in an interesting turn of events, the crypto lender has responded with a lawsuit of its own, accusing KeyFi of using Celsius funds for unauthorized business dealings, outright theft, and gross incompetence. The return huh. lawsuit also claims the business relationship between the two former parties began in 2020 w when Jason Stone, the CEO of KeyFi, allegedly re represented himself as a pioneer in coin staking and DeFi in a bid to gain access to Celsius funds. However, things went south pretty quickly, according to the crypto lender. Quote, Unfortunately, defendants, defendants Stone and Kefi, Stone's majority-owned corporate vehicle, proved themselves incapable of deploying coins' profitability and appear to have lost thousands of Celsius coins through their gross mismanagement. But the defendants were not just incompetent. They also were thieves. Wow. That's a big punch. Yeah. According to Celsius, millions of dollars worth of the company's assets were misappropriated by the Kefi, by Kefi and pro, uh, processed through Tornado Cash in order to obfuscate future dealings with those funds. When asked about the usage of Celsius funds, Kefi purportedly refused to accurately report on their business dealings, opening up the, opened up the firm to unforeseen liabilities. Furthermore, the document indicates that Kefi appears to have promised Celsius the return of all funds, plus the latter's share of the profits Amicably. 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 Got it. Amicably. A promise that did not come to fruition. The risky investment hinted at include but are not limited to NFTs, which Kefi was forbidden to acquire using Celsius assets. 
In the lawsuit filed by Celsius and Celsius Kefi LLC, a subsidiary created due to the collaboration between the two former parties, a key com uh, complaint in the, in the use of Celsius funds that were to be deployed in DeFi and staking ventures. These assets were meant to purchase hundreds of NFTs belonging to a collection such as CryptoPunks and Bullrun Babes, among others. The documents suggest that the purchases were sanctioned by KeyFi leadership in spite of the agreement between the parties that forbade the use of Celsius assets to acquire NFTs. Furthermore, a number of the entities were later sold, allegedly netting Celsius seven-figure returns, which they pocketed. Although the lawsuit could be nothing more than a wild, wild bid to secure funds that would help Celsius to recover from bankruptcy, it's up to the courts to decide if there's any truth to the acquisition or if it's just a response to the previous one. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that, now I'm, we know where some of the money went, right? What's that one point two billion dollars that uh, Celsius was missing? Was that due to Kefi? Mm. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm going to be on Kefi's uh, side on this only because I want my my, my coins out of uh, out of Celsius. So go. I, mean, I, I agree with that, but I'm, I'm, I feels like it feels like Celsius is blaming Kefi for losing its money, yeah. which it effectively I'm sure, did. I'm sure <laughs> that they're going to be pointing fingers at a lot of people for sure. Any anyone but them. It wasn't their fault, right? I mean, a lot of the loss, and honestly, of the of the one point two billion dollars that seems to be missing, I think it's just the devaluation of coin. There's nothing you can do about that, right? You mm -hmm. lose money because the money is the the coin isn't worth as much. Okay, but that's Sucks, that's aside but... from the fact. I don't I don't care if it goes down in in fiat value. My coin is still my coin. It, it's it's you know if I put in a... right, but the, but but what Celsius is basically saying, and it, what I see here, although it's obviously a key lawsuit, is that they gave this money to Kefi. Kefi was going to return the value, but they didn't. So that's, I mean, it makes sense mm -hmm. why this is going on. It sucks. It sucks for us, but it's also because, in effect, Celsius trusted our money with someone else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that someone else didn't do what they said they were going to do. So <laughs> it is kind of a weird, like, well, it's not our fault. It's their fault. I'm like, yeah, but you. We don't. Well, I've always said this to people before. And I'm going to take a little short aside here. When you're working in service industry, it doesn't matter what who you're serving, what the customer it is. It's not the customer's problem. What you did. The deal is between you and the customer. Doesn't matter what some other company did with your money. It, it, it might piss you off that they did something bad with your money, that the company's money, right? But that's not between you and the customer. The customer shouldn't be told what the mistake was that you made with that other company it's not their business it's nothing to do with them so stop i mean we're reading this because it's news about this but if Chelsea is going but look he kivai over there did you know, we, it, 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 we don't care mm -hmm, mm -hmm. deal with that stuff with them and give us our money back oh you don't have it well we're suing you sorry <laughs> you trusted someone else and that's not my deal you yeah. know it sucks Totally get yeah, that. So that's, not my deal. That's the way Celsius... You didn't make a deal with Kefi. You made the deal with Kefi. You deal with it. Right. So. But, that, that, but that's that's the way Celsius was structured, was to to be the middleman with with larger companies out there that were going to be able to trade those. Because there's no way that we, you and I, were going to be able to, say, uh, lend our, our, our money directly with Kefi. There's no way. They won't do that. That's the whole thing of collecting large sums of money. I mean, mm -hmm. the banks do this all the time. It's not yeah. new. So, yeah. Last article here from a famous... Hottie, <laughs> Natalie Brunel. <laughs> this is what made me go from traditional media to full-time Bitcoin. This is written by George Georgiev. 
Natalie Brunell is one of the most well-known women in the crypto industry. With a background in traditional journalism, she currently hosts Coin Stores Stories podcast, bringing some of the leading voices in both Bitcoin and economics. Brunell is a Polish-born and, together with her family, immigrated to the U.S. when she was five. She has broad experience in the traditional media, covering breaking news, enterprising reporting, as well as features. Some of her Previous roles include the top-ranked NBC station KCRTA-TV, as well as being a national correspondent for ABC News 1 based in, L- in Los Angeles. A few years ago, however, she started a new chapter in her professional life, going from full-time Bitcoin and starting the Coin Stories podcast. In the episode of the Crypto po- uh, Potato podcast, Natalie Brunell tells us what made her take this giant leap, which, is, which are the most interesting stories heard on her podcast, Michael Saylor, of course, women in blockchain. We also chat about the current market condition, whether or not Bitcoin hit bottom yet or yet is yet to find it, how the broader market shaping up, and if there has ever been a cryptocurrency that would replace Bitcoin. So here's that YouTube video. I am not going to play it. My family lost everything in 2008. Natalie Brunel was born in Poland. Okay, this is her life story. I don't know if we're going to get through this whole thing. It's a pretty long article, but basically, uh, there, she was born in Poland. Her family was living in a communist regime, according to her, and it was a dream to immigrate to the United States, pursuing the American dream. This finally happened when she was five. Okay, well, maybe it wasn't her dream. It was her family dream. <laughs> My parents came to the U.S. when they were in the late 30s, 40s, and had had a new country with a new language. I saw them work really hard and instilled with me a work, strong work ethic. And another quote, she says, they lost everything in the financial crisis of 08, 09. That's when I also started my television career when the recession was really underway. I looked at what had happened to my parents and already wondered how did it happen? I lost, I didn't understand how uh, they're good people. They pay their taxes. They play by the rules and still lost everything. She shared this uh, back in 2017 when she heard about Bitcoin. She didn't uh, go down the rabbit hole until a couple of years later. In any case, it was Bitcoin that helped her understand that the problems exist in the financial system. Good, a man. That's very a... big picture of her green eyes, brown hair. I, I applaud um, for that. <laughs> the quote. That's what I would say is that I had this predisposition for appreciating Bitcoin because of my family's journey and what they went through in the financial crisis. But then I also spent 10 years interviewing people in different countries who were suffering from a lot of things that impact global societies, growing poverty, the wealth disparity, rising cost of education and living in civil unrest. And she realized after learning the Bitcoin connecting the dots, things, these things happen because our money is so broken, that's a quote. Realizing that now there's a potential fix through technology, that's how her passion project started, something she has managed to make a career out of. And so this basically leads to women blockchain. One thing that many people talk about recently is the gender gap in the crypto industry. The fact that there are far more men involved in the industry than women. Here's another quote. There's a huge gender gap when it comes to men and women in this space. You'd be blind to not see it when you go to an event. (laughs) I think that's pretty clear. When I go to Bitcoin conferences, it's 90% men and a couple of women. But it's growing, and Alyssa was probably there when she was there. (laughs) More and more women are coming. I think that women in general are very community-driven, and we like to learn from uh, from and socialize with other women. I think we need women to look up to. I want to service that resource for women because I was there and wants to, and because 
uh, I probably I was there once too, and because sometimes the space can be overwhelming and intimidating when a bunch of guys tell you, uh, guys, and you feel like you're not reflected in the audience. So I completely understand that. It's a very male-dominated and kind of wild westy kind of thing. It, it is. Lo it is. It's one. It's one of those things that even we noticed on the podcast of interviewing people. The majority of, the, uh, of our interviews are with with guys with men right we've had a few women but that's that's very rare to have on the podcast it's so difficult to reach out to to women that are are very proactive and willing to come up and and just talk on the podcast publicly about uh, about their experience in crypto that's it's extremely difficult you know so i want to see more women of course a lot more women in in crypto but not only that i want to see more diversification with with people of all all races from people from all a bunch all all the nations all around the world. I want to see everybody getting into crypto, you know, period. I that's the world I want to see. I want people to understand what blockchain brings to 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 the future of of our sovereignty. No, it's it's not it's not just for you're not a you're, I mean you're what Latino background. I I'm definitely a white man. <laughs> I think you can tell by my icon. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it seems Caucasian male-dominated uh, industry. Although there are plenty of other races involved in this, absolutely. Um, but, uh, yeah, all races, all creeds, all genders, gender identities are welcome in crypto. So with that, we should probably wrap up this episode. Thank you for listening to the end and us talking about Natalie Brunell. We kind of left her at the end. Yep. We're not trying to put her at the end. It's just. There was a lot more crazy news at the beginning of the, of the episode. If you'd like to support the channel, whoa, whoa, we appreciate you. Whoa, 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 whoa. Just one more thing. We more do thing? have Twitter right. Spaces coming up on Tuesdays. So from here to the right, my bad. From here on forward, for we're going to be doing Twitter Spaces at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Come join us, Twitter Spaces. We do have uh, our Twitter link in the coin tree. So come hang out with us, chit chat. We're all there. It's a fun time. Or if you can't make it and want to just watch the video, it's on our YouTube channel. So there it is. All right. Our now conversations will be up on the channel. So, yeah, as we say at the end, uh, check out our coin tree. Check out our, our T-shirts for sale and any other swag we have up. And stack stats and huddle. Adios. Adios. I'm clear. <laughs>